Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Watching now a little bit your baseball. This game is the most confused game of that I'm knowing. Oh, okay. We have we have some we have some pillows. We have some pillows on the dirt, and then we have some grass, and then we have people to stand all around to make a grabbing of the of the downstairs grab of crouch, look around, look around. Then man with stick is there, and then man look at stick man, and look at man with glove, and he make like this one. Well, and the stick man may hit. If he make a miss of three times, then out. But if four times the, the, but the throw is bad, boom, then he may walk to a pillow. But if he hit a ball very far, then he may run on all the pillows around the pillows. And sometimes someone is stealing the pillows and then they make a trade in nine times, but time out on the seven, after seven times of run on field, Everyone sing a song about popcorn. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, February 22nd. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, Mr. What You Need to Know, Tass Mellis. Morning, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the Bassmaster. Ripping them lips. Trey Kirby. hey Hey, yo. Oh, we've got the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend. Mm. Mm. Last but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Guys, please make sure you continue to like and comment and subscribe and share the show. Let's get that number to 40K. 40K, boy, with the subs. Let's get there. Email us your questions and comments for this week's Beach Steppin' Podcast. No dunks at theathletic.com. Best way to get them in. Or you can leave your comments or your questions in the YouTube channel as well or tweet them in at No Dunks Inc. And uh, finally, grab your merch at nodunks.com. We got hoodies and crew necks and t shirts and shorts and mugs. And check out our guy, Blazers Broadcaster yeah. Lamar Heard. Looking real good in the No Dunks basketball sort of uh, high school look we got going there on the website, nodunks.com. So shout out to Lamar for sending in wow. that photo. Looking Broadcaster like or model. I mean, he looks right. great. I mean, Styling on him. Yeah, yeah. Looking fantastic. All right. We got so much to talk about here on a Monday. So let's just jump right into it. NBA weekend winners and losers. We'll start positive Pete's here, Tass. Who's your big winner from the NBA weekend? We'll start positive. Chris Finch is the new head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, but it's also negative because they had to fire Ryan Saunders mm. for Chris Finch to become the head coach. And this is strange for a few reasons. Well, first, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they played a basketball game on Sunday, and all of a sudden they turn around and they sign another guy as their head coach to a multi-year deal. That doesn't happen very often. Mid-season, that a guy is hired from another team to just pop in and take a head coach's place. Usually when a head coach is fired... The assistant coach takes over on an interim basis. Yes. You know, the, the 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 full search is done in the offseason. 
So they must have had a deal in place with Chris Finch before the Minnesota Timberwolves lost to the New York Knicks on Sunday. So a lot of people saying, what the heck is going on? People in the coaching fraternity wondering, what is up? I will say that they must have known um, that Chris Finch would have accepted the offer. But they, they also have done their research with Chris Finch. Chris Finch was interviewed in 2019 when Ryan Saunders got the job initially as Wolves head coach. Finch was also up for the job, uh, but they went with Saunders. So it was probably a quick process um, when they got Finch from the Toronto Raptors this season. Finch has been on uh, Nick Nurse's bench uh, this season, so he's come over and he's full-time. What's also weird is that Ryan Saunders didn't get more of a chance. I mean, they really, uh, they have been hit by the injury bug a ton. They traded for D'Angelo Russell last February to be Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns' number two guy. And they've played five games together. That's crazy when you think about it. Uh, and, and so he didn't get a real long leash. Now, listen, Carl Anthony Towns went in there. He wasn't playing to his capabilities. So I'm sure that was a, a big issue with Gerson Rosas and the Wolves front office. So th- there's that part of it uh, as well. Um, but uh, I, I don't know about you guys. I think Ryan Saunders could have had, held the job a little bit longer. But at the same time, the Wolves weren't necessarily performing for him. Uh, and then there's another issue of, as I said, uh, usually an assistant coach can take the helm for, you know, at least the rest of the season, sort of like Ryan Saunders did uh, for for a while there before being named head coach. Uh, and the Wolves have a guy named David Vanterpool on their bench. And Damian Lillard came out after he heard the news and said, David Vanterpool's my guy. He should be coaching the Minnesota Timberwolves. Because he was an assistant coach with the Wolves, or with the Blazers, I should say, for seven seasons, uh, helping out Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum uh, be who they are. So he had to step in there for his guy. Now, um, Chris Finch, David Vanterpool, both definitely worthy guys. Chris Finch has been coaching forever. David Vanterpool also been uh, been in the league for a while, and, and so the Wolves went with the guy that number one. Um, He's kind of like a Nick Nurse light. He coached in Europe for a long time and maybe can turn the offense around. And also he had a bit of a, a relationship with Gerson Rosas in the Wolves front office because he's been their, their G League coach before for Gerson Rosas, uh, specifically with the Vipers. And so I, I think that that relationship yeah, kind of pushed him to the top of the list. And it was all just very strange. Yet you, you kind of got to dissect it a little bit to understand where this came from. Because again, this doesn't happen very often. I had to go. I had to go into the athletic Slack channel to see when a guy came from has gone from an assistant <laughs> coach's bench to another team's head coaching spot mid-season like this. Doesn't happen very often. Lionel Hollins did it in 2009, and I think Larry Brown did it uh, to himself. Really, he just like took himself from a head coaching spot and then said, "I'm going to be a head coach somewhere else." A long time ago, but from an assistant, like that doesn't happen very often, and it came all sort of out of nowhere. Although, again, they do have a relationship. Yeah, Lee, what do you think about uh, you know all of what Tass just sort of took us through there? Well done there. Um, but Saunders ultimately like before the all-star break saying you're out of here like our team record stinks someone's got to be the fall guy it's you he was 43 and 93 in his uh, wolves tenure but task pointing out wisely for sure <laughs> it's not like he had really a great team around him a lot of the time and even when he had that team it was usually a guy who was injured or two uh so what do you think well it comes down to uh talent and experience and really when you look at the talent on that roster that's right there's, there's just not much really there towns is a good player other than that you've got some players who could be okay, but really uh, no one sort of stands out. No one jumps off that roster, including D'Angelo Russell. 
he's not that good himself. If you look at their offense, I mean, they were third worst offense in the league and their defense was about 10th as well. So, you know, at both ends of the floor, they struggled, the Timberwolves. Uh, but again, with that roster, I'm not sure even if Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich could really have uh, a significant improvement. I mean, maybe they win a few more games here. Maybe their defense tightens up a little bit. But ultimately, that's what it comes down to. The Wolves, they, they have to get uh, a better roster for a coach to succeed. Now, the way it came about, I agree. I think this is actually not a good look for Minnesota because it's basically, I mean, how do you uh, come to an agreement overnight with a guy in a multi-year deal if you haven't basically been negotiating or talking with him in the weeks leading up to that, that's that's yeah. what it looks like to me here. And Ryan Saunders, I mean, I think he was, I, honestly, I think he was probably a little bit lucky to last as long as he did because, uh, you know, we know his father, Flip, uh, who, who passed away a few years ago, uh, was a Minnesota Timberwolves legend there. Uh, but I'm just not sure Ryan was qualified to be an NBA head coach. I know he'd been an assistant coach, but uh, I think in the NBA, it's you know, you should never just give someone a coach just because, hey, his dad was here and he's been around the team for a while. You need to be someone who's uh, paid his dues, and I'm not sure Ryan was just up to the challenge. So um, where, where he goes from here, whether or not he stays with the organization, we'll find out. But uh, ultimately, the Timberwolves roster is simply not good enough right now. And so whether it's Chris Finch or whoever comes in to coach, they've got an enormous job ahead of them. But ultimately, it comes down to what they do in the offseason as far as improving that roster. I won't disagree with that, but they've got a good enough team to be in in a lot of games because they lost their last 10 losses by eight points or fewer. I don't think that helped Ryan Saunders' chances of sticking around there. They were in a lot of these games. So you do have enough talent that you're at least playing close and always ultimately coming up short. Sometimes decisions he made, sometimes, of course, the players, you know, not executing. Sometimes the other team just hitting crazy shots. But that's got to hurt there, Lee. I mean, you're in a lot of games and you can't close these out. Uh, you know, again, you just get to a certain point where we just don't have enough wins and we got to change something. And, we're, yeah. you know, it's the classic. We can get rid of the coach and we can't get rid of the players, really. So, I don't know. That's the only thing I would add to that. I like. It's weird how they got to Chris Finch. I think Vanderpool would have been interesting, too, to give especially an interim run. He's there. Move him over. Let's see what he can do. Shake things up. But... This team should not be the worst team in the league. I don't care if some of these guys haven't played. They shouldn't. They, they, I mean, you look at many other rosters that have better records, and, uh, and and I don't think better rosters than the Wolves actually have when you look at everything having a Towns and Carl and stuff like that. So what do you think, Trey? What, do you, uh, what was your big takeaway from this firing and then hiring of Chris Finch? Yeah, the way that the Timberwolves got to hiring Chris Finch, no doubt, is going to look weird considering they have an NBA-ready coach waiting right there, but I think it's not super surprising that Saunders is gone, considering, you know, this is basically three seasons of Carl Anthony Towns' prime that have been wasted trying to develop players that haven't developed at all, and I think that that does reflect a little bit on the coach, considering uh, the way that his hiring came about in the first place. You know, we had Tom Thibodeau was in there yelling at everybody, Jimmy Mm -hmm. Butler was yelling at everybody, they said, we need to go the other way. Now it looks a lot like Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, obviously, being coddled a little bit, adjusting to the Harrison Rosas vision, I think has been a bit of a growing pains sort of thing for the Timberwolves. They're trying to shoot the three a lot more. They're trying to get to the rim. These are also things that Chris Finch is going to bring with him. But with the injuries piling up, with uh, Towns not being able to take the court with D'Angelo Russell, they haven't been able to look like a team that's pointing towards the future. So now you got to wonder... Is this the end of the Saunders-Towns era completely for the Timberwolves? Does this mean that now Towns has a foot out the door? Because obviously him and Ryan Saunders were close going back to flip drafting. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards seems like he's going to be the guy who, who knows? I mean, who knows with the Timberwolves? Is that the future there? Anthony Edwards, he looks like he's playing really well. You're now getting rid of Carl Anthony Towns' preferred head coach. 
Maybe that means that Towns is the next guy, like Lee has been saying for a couple of seasons, that people are going to be trying to poach out of mm-hmm. Minnesota. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, I, I I knew Ryan Saunders was young, Tass, but I was sort of even taken aback when I saw that he's not even 35 yet. I was like, holy moly, he's still 34 years old. Uh, which is he's really... an old 34, though. He's well, going to be 35 pretty soon. Oh, no, I know. When he's you're a coach, you, you get old quick. It's like being the president, right? You know, it, no, it ages no. you. Yeah, and, but because, uh, you know, Flip was his dad, uh, he's been around basketball forever, so he has been... Uh, an assistant coach amongst coaching staff for over a decade, even though he's 34 years old. Yeah, which right, is, right. But do you not think strange. it was maybe a sentimental pick when they did name him the head coach instead of like maybe going like Lee was saying, someone a little bit more established, someone that had he didn't. It's not like you're right. It's not like he had never actually coached a game, but someone that had you know a bit better of a resume um, or at least a longer resume. I think there was something there with what was going on in Minnesota sure. playing that card. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then they came out and they had that. Very emotional win over OKC, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was it was a great start to the Ryan Saunders era. And, and yeah, he has given his heart and soul to that organization, and uh, it was a crushing crushing night for him yesterday. Uh, I, I guess when it comes down to it, the the front office looks at their players and says exactly what we're talking about here: Carl Anthony Towns can have another year wasted, and uh, we have to win some of these close games. Uh, and, and they're basically. Uh, I guess when you look at the hiring process, what happened in 2019, they interviewed Ryan Saunders. They interviewed David Vanterpool as well, who mm-hmm. became their assistant coach, and they interviewed Chris Finch. So really that, uh, I, I guess that hiring process, that interview process was just propelled a couple years later, and they just hired another guy that they interviewed. It, it is strange that Vanterpool didn't move a few seats over. Um but Chris Finch, definitely uh, a worthy candidate himself, been coaching uh, forever and ever and ever, uh, like, you know, two decades worth of, of coaching experience. So uh, he had that on Vanterpool. You know, Vanterpool's only been an assistant um, in the NBA. Well, at least Chris Finch has been a head coach uh, before, but hopefully those two guys can work together. And then and then if he doesn't work out, then Vanterpool can move over. But Vanterpool, uh, yeah, I know Damian Lillard and even CJ McCollum chimed in and said this guy needs to be a head coach at some point, right. and, and hopefully he he does get that uh, that option at some point down the road. But uh, yeah, the Wolves, yeah, they need to turn it around. Uh, they need to turn it out pretty quick. But it's been just such such a tumultuous season too, and and it's yeah. really strange watching that Knicks game yesterday because Carl Anthony Towns shot rims out. That could have gave them the win. Mm-hmm. It was 30 seconds left, and he goes, you know, clank, clank on a real tight rim in Madison Square Garden that wasn't letting any balls fall through. So that was just a, it's just a weird few hours uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves because they just went from, oh, we almost won a game to, no, we're going to hire a coach. I, like, would they have fired Ryan Saunders if they won that game? I mean, well, they fired come... Thibodeau after he won a game. Yeah, so probably. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, Lee, I can't believe you haven't dropped a Finchie yet on us. Hell of a sales rep. <laughs> I've been getting plenty of tweets and messages about Chris Finch coming in there, so I appreciate all of them. They're all great. I'll never, ever tire of those jokes. Yeah, they're, they're, they'll forever be funny. I do like that he is now at least the head coach. I feel like we're going to be able to make a lot more of those. Lager, you know, stuff like that. All right. Um, let's keep it going. Uh, Trey, we'll go to you next. Who's your winner of the weekend? Oh, it was a winner-take-all kind of Sunday, Skeets. The Clippers had come in, had a nice win over the Jazz on Friday, ended Utah's winning streak. They had just gotten Paul George back. They were looking nice and wintery. Got the Brooklyn Nets coming in on a five-game win streak. They had just beaten the Pacers, Warriors, Kings, and Suns, and Lakers. 
Most of those came without Kevin Durant. Also looking nice and wintry. <laughs> Game totally lived up to the hype. Nets beating the Clippers last night on the strength of 37-11 rebounds and 7 assists for James Harden. 28 and 8 assists for Kyrie Irving. This game was awesome. Kawhi Leonard, 29 points, 13 rebounds. Paul George, he's back, baby. 34 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. He didn't play the last couple of minutes here, which, you know, maybe changes things because uh, the Clippers went on a huge run there at the end of the fourth quarter. And maybe if they had Paul George, who was shooting the ball really, really well, on a nice bit of a little hot streak here on his return, if he plays the last couple of minutes, maybe this changes. But... The way things went down, the Nets get the W. That's six straight wins for the Nets. The last five of them were on the road. Like I said, it's the best road trip the Nets have ever had in the history of the (laughs) Nets franchise. (laughs) Incredible. But I mean, they did have a really good win streak. They went out there and Kyrie Irving said, all winning does is keep the world silent, which is a little bit true because when Kevin Durant comes back, the question is going to be about fitting him onto a team that's playing really well rather than just saying, hey, they're adding an MVP to a team that's playing really well. But... They're building momentum heading into the second half here. The Sixers are still looking good. We'll talk about the Raptors beating them in a second here. Embiid looked like an MVP on Friday, but I mean, the Sixers and the Nets are no doubt about it, the class of the Eastern Conference so far. And I don't know, this past week, the Nets have looked so good going out West, beating all of these really good teams and doing it without Kevin Durant, doing it with a little bit of defense. Good stuff. Yep. Doing it with some defense. That's true. I mean, in the past seven games, I think they're they're average 15th ranked defense in the league. That's good enough for sure with the offensive firepower they have. They just can't be, you know, the worst defense in the league and putting no effort in on that end. After that, what was it? The Pistons lost, right? Nash was like sort of got on them. Come yeah. on, look, we can't we shouldn't be losing to teams like this. And we put in a little bit of defensive effort. We have so much talent on the offensive end that we can win a lot of games. And that's what they've done since. They're switching basically everything, which is their communication, I think, is better. Maybe that's just them getting their reps into. Yeah. Look, I'm glad I got in on top shot early because I might have to sell one of these moments to uh, pay my man Tassie here with our Nets bet uh, <laughs> going to the finals, because Jesus, doing all of this without KD. You know, it's tough. It really, I'll admit, it's tough to look at any team in the East and go, you're going to beat them four times? You're going to beat this Nets team four times, if healthy, of course, uh, all their guys? Whew. Good luck. Not, I mean, KD was playing the best of the bunch, right? <laughs> and and Harden is, I mean, he is playing elite right now, and so is Kyrie. So, yeah, Tassie, I, I mean, I'll look, you know, never, a lot of things can change here. It's still still fairly early, but uh, you're looking looking good, and I'm sure feeling pretty good with the way they're playing right now, the Nets. Oh, yeah. I'm going to paste another $100 bill to my forehead. Yeah, baby. Because uh, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, they, especially with the Bucks not being, you know, Bucks like quite yet. Yeah. You look at those teams, uh, especially with the Celtics as, as well, falling mm-hmm. off. It's Sixers or the Nets right now, although the Raps are coming on strong. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you said Kevin Durant, uh, it, it, you know, was was their best player when he was there. He definitely was. But now there's some uh, some some James Harden push. He's leading the team in rebounds, assists, other categories. After I, you know, that I didn't read the rest of that tweet. But he is uh, he is performing really well. And now he's their defensive stopper. You see him flop like a... Oh, like wow. An, what a uh, brutal call. That's a brutal call, but... Okay, so, yeah. Kawhi Leonard ties the game with a couple free throws. DeAndre Jordan gets a tip in. Nets are up two, and then Kawhi Leonard drives in. James Harden has no business being where he was. He he was like... He was brushed off by Kawhi Leonard and flopped, and so they get the offensive call, and then it's it's over uh, because Kawhi Leonard didn't have the opportunity to tie it. But I would say when Kawhi... When, yeah, Kawhi went to the free throw line to tie it 30 seconds earlier he also got a brutal call the other way like deandre jordan was just kind of there 
And yeah, it's one thing to get a brutal call, and it's another thing for the guy to completely flop to sell the call and trick the refs, right? Yeah, but Kawhi, Kawhi you think also, Kawhi did it too? Ka- well, no, not on that. Yeah, so when, yeah. when Kawhi tied the game, he bumped into DeAndre Jordan and just kind of fell out of bounds like it was the first quarter. He didn't even take a shot. True. And 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 so he kind of flopped and just expected to get a superstar call, and he did. Anyways, Harden flopped. He's their defensive stopper, and uh, all is good in Brooklyn. Like, like they, the Clippers didn't deserve to win this game. They came back. It was really weird seeing Paul George sit on the bench for the last three minutes. This uh, managing his minutes. Come on, just play him the rest of the game. I want to see. I want to see Clippers Nets here at the end and seeing those flailing legs from Steve Ballmer all game. Yikes! It's even weirder seeing a you know see Bomber cheering like an animal. Of course, he's great at that. But when there's nobody, nobody around him, around him yeah, it's yeah, so he's weird. just like one guy in a chair just going crazy. <laughs> just uh, a guy in a chair, exploring the space. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you think of that one, Lily? I like seeing Kyrie Irving throw down a two-handed dunk. I yeah. don't remember yeah. seeing that one before yeah. in, in my uh, time watching Kyrie Irving and James Harden. I'm going to go out on a limb here. He is your Eastern Conference Player of the Week for the okay. last week, no, I think. Yeah. Man, man. <laughs> That'll be named today, won't it? Yeah, I mean, it has to be him because, honestly, uh, James Harden has been incredible to watch, I think, too. That, that Because the criticisms that people like me have had of him in the past is that he's not always aesthetically pleasing to watch the way that he goes hunting fouls and that. But these last few games against the Lakers, and if you go back to that Suns game earlier in the week, he's been incredible to watch. And, and the way that he has just kind of already meshed together and found a rapport there with Kyrie Irving because if you look at that game yesterday, Clippers and the and the Nets, that's almost a Spider-Man meme come to life because I think there are similar uh, similarities between those teams that, you know, if things are going great for the Nets, they look great. They look like they're all on the same page at having fun. If they do drop a few, and we've seen it a little bit in the past, I think it was that uh, Pistons game, mm-hmm. you know, James Harden gets into a little bit with DeAndre Jordan. So I think it could be still combustible, but when they're playing well and playing the way they are on the road, big road trip here against some really good teams and coming away winning and James Harden establishing himself as clearly the best player on the court uh, in these last few games, I think it's a very good sign here for Brooklyn. And I know that Kyrie and James Harden have talked about it before, about coming together and trying to find the best way to play. And, and really, you know, talking is cheap. You go out there and see them on the court, and I think that's what really what's happening. So this is great for Steve Nash right now. They are still giving up uh, a lot of points to some teams, so the defense still needs some work. But overall, there's clearly been improvement on that end of the court, and uh, they are a pretty tough uh, prospect right now. If you are looking at the Eastern Conference um, I don't think there's a better team than them in the Eastern Conference, especially when Kevin Durant comes back, If, uh, as we as we always say, if they all stay healthy. So uh, really good signs here for Brooklyn. It's so funny to think back before the Harden trade, people wondering, like, does Harden still have it? Will he be able to, like, go back to being, like, the MVP-like Harden? Like, remember that was an actual conversation? And, Trey, I'm, I'm very happy to say that we were like, do not fall for this. <laughs> I mean, as soon as he goes to a team, especially, like, the Nets, yeah, Harden's going to go back to MVP-like Harden. He is totally checked out if you're watching Rockets games he does not give an F he will he will want to obviously prove the doubters and haters wrong and stuff like that and that's what he's doing here it's not it's there's no shock to me at all this guy's elite he's proving both the doubters and the haters wrong an O for two for the doubters and haters you hate to say yeah. it but yeah not a surprise that he's instantly back to being good and not a surprise that his being at his best is good enough to be one of the best teams in the NBA. That has been the case with James Harden for the past yeah. five seasons. You know, it's been a matter of just how high on the list of players do you have him. It hasn't been a, a 
a case of the guy sucks. He's barely an all-star. He's an MVP caliber player, but I thought a guy that was humongous for the Nets last night was a literal big guy. DeAndre Jordan, the revenge game, 13 points, 11 rebounds. He had that tip in. The Nets were just dominating inside. They outscored the Clippers 60 to 38 points in the paint. A lot of that was DeAndre Jordan, you know, just being big and being an influence in there. And that's going to continue to be a question for both of these teams. How do the Nets defend inside? How do the Clippers stop people from scoring inside? Because when you look down the line at the teams that the Clippers are going to be playing in the playoffs, no doubt about it, the Lakers are going to come up. They've got a lot of guys who score in the paint. Same with the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, and obviously the Jazz put some pressure on the rim as well with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. So, yeah, no doubt about it. The Clippers are a little softy inside, so maybe they'll be looking to beef up come trade deadline time. Possibly, possibly. All right, Lee, who do you got for winner of the weekend? It was a very good weekend for the Phoenix Suns, in particular Chris Paul. Uh, Friday night, an incredible fourth quarter comeback by the Suns, led by Chris Paul. They outscored New Orleans 37-7 to at one stage in the fourth quarter, uh, overturned an 11-point fourth quarter deficit to an 18-point victory. I think that's the biggest comeback to biggest blowout from one uh, from after three quarters in NBA history. I saw that going around. So uh, incredible stuff. And Chris Paul, 19 assists in that game, hit some big threes. Uh, he wasn't the only one in the fourth quarter, actually. Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder were also good. But it started with Chris Paul, uh, you know, hitting the three. Now, he was talking a little trash, too. And there was uh, some people weren't really sure what he was saying about whether or not he knows this place or he owns this place. Uh, Chris Paul said afterwards, I know this place. I checked the tape. Not sure I agree with him. Not sure I agree with him. But I'll let him off the hook because it was... uh, you know, talk about James Harden being great. Chris Paul, when he's at his best, is incredibly fun to watch. And then on Saturday night, he really didn't have to do all that much. His game was over pretty early against the Memphis Grizzlies. He had 16 and 6 assists, uh, but those 6 assists move him to 6th all-time in NBA history, overtaking one of his heroes, Oscar Robinson. Now, the real question is, when Chris Paul is all said and done, where will he finish in the all-time uh, assists legend? And uh, he only needs 250 to overtake Magic Johnson for fifth. So I think he can get Magic this season. Probably likely. Uh, uh, based on the current rate, he's at at about eight and a half a game. So then it's uh, Mark Jackson and Steve Nash, which uh, Steve Nash has one more assist than Mark Jackson, which is pretty cool. Uh, but he's, <laughs> you know, so now he, he'll probably get those guys, but not for um, not for uh, another season or so. I've got mm-hmm. him down for there. Uh, but will he get Jason Kidd? Jason Kidd, he's about 2,200 behind Jason Kidd for second. He needs around about 275 games at eight assists per game to get him. So... Wow. Do you think a couple seasons. Get, yeah. Do you think he can get that? I mean, he's in great shape. He's uh, His body's in uh, incredible condition. He's still playing at a high level. But 275 games. I mean, that is three and a mm. half seasons. Uh, feels a I little out I don't reach. think he's going to reach Kid. Yeah. And Kid's two. I mean, Stockton's one. And oh, Stockton. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, no he's, one's he's, catching Stockton. No. Uh, I don't think so. I think he'll finish third all time. Put me down for that. Yeah. I, I think so, it's too. Fine. I think so, too. Which is, uh, which is a pretty good accomplishment by him. But, uh, yeah, man, when you look at uh, John Stockton, I mean... Uh, I don't want to be a hater. We're going to go and uh, check over some of those assists because he's so far ahead. Of <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and we know the jokes out there in Utah that he got a bit of home cooking, but he must have just like any time he let go of the ball and someone else scored, no matter what. I think he was given an assist. <laughs> it, it's incredible. But uh, anyway, Chris Paul uh, and the Phoenix Suns, another team rolling again, uh, and he. You know, there was some debate about whether or not he will be an all-star. Right. Uh, Now, I think the votes were probably in before last Friday, so I'm not sure if that weekend actually uh, has has an impact or an effect. But uh, 
he if the Suns only get one, for me it's him. He he's still incredible and um yeah, still just performing at, at such a, a high level. No, I don't know about those votes because I mean starters are announced on Thursday and then you know those have to be locked in before the coaches can ultimately make their selections. Oh, okay, so yeah. you know they probably have Friday, Saturday, maybe even Sunday. It's got to be in by, and I think they're announced right on Tuesday. I'm sure tomorrow. Wanna, yeah. yeah, I'm sure they want a day to like uh, crunch the numbers task. But you said on uh, what you need to know today, you know a lot of guys making maybe those late, like Chris Paul, like those late late pushes to uh, convince a coach to uh, get them on the roster. There was a lot of guys like that, like that are borderline. You know, in, in Chris Paul's case, it's like him or Booker. Really, I think we all agree one of them will probably be on there unlikely too but yeah all these guys that had monster performances this weekend you know zach levine another one it's like huh, yeah that's great timing have those big games right before someone's filling out their uh their selections right yeah and trey bless, young, you. bless you bless you our trey trey young had a, a monstrous game out there uh you know 30 and 15 his best game of the season is it a coincidence that these guys are having these games i don't think so uh, no. perfect timing i think all the the votes are coming in late Everything in the pandemic is coming in late. I think these votes are not even in yet. It's Monday morning here. Mm. Uh, I think the assistant coaches get it in Tuesday. I think TNT and the league will be tallying them on Tuesday, like minutes before the broadcast. <laughs> no Try, trying to figure. Yeah, it's only it's only like you know fifteen coaches for each conference. Coaches only vote for their own conference, right? Is that true? Or do they vote for both conferences? I have never thought of that. They assumed both, but maybe it is. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, Chris Finch, he's going to get in there. He's going to vote for Fred Van Vliet. He was an assistant with the Raptors. Wow. Now he's in the West. Well, maybe you can't vote for him. I don't know. This is a strange. I I guess I always assume they filled out both the East and the West. That's a good point. And I think those are already in. I think, look, at least today. I don't think they're tomorrow. (laughs) Today, but that's fine. They got maybe, uh, they had last night's games there to, uh, consider as well i'm wondering i'm wondering lee you were able to go to the tape after and see that chris paul said i own this place rather than i know this place aren't those both o sounds like i was, I was just yeah, watching myself on the camera i'm like how can you tell the difference between uh, well, i know this place versus yeah. i own this place you just go and look at it and you really focus on the the pause between the words there and uh <laughs> i can see and <laughs> I own this place. That's all I can see. That's oh, all yeah. I'm saying. You know. Why would he, why would he say I know this place? That's <laughs> yeah, why he's been here that's before. What, I, because he lived there, or he he, was, he played there for <laughs> what know, six but... seasons or whatever, and he was trying to you know not make sort You're of right. rub salt into the wounds there in New Orleans. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, get, I get that. But yeah, he owns it for sure. Owns <laughs> it sure. and knows it for sure. <laughs> uh, and just with the Pelicans, uh, you know, they would have probably been a loser of the weekend if they didn't come through there on Sunday versus the Celtics. Uh, I just liked that Stan Van Gundy went to Zion down the stretch in that game because a few days ago, a few games ago, you'll remember, you know, they, they let Brandon Ingram work and the ball just never found its way to Zion in any of the action in the last couple of plays. And you're like, what the hell's going on? Guy had missed like three shots up to that point. You got to get him involved. I don't care if he's shooting, it has to be involved. On Sunday, what, down 106, 105 with about 10 seconds to go. Kept it simple. Make it simple. Zion Williamson, he caught the ball like off a screen from Ingram, faked a little handoff to uh, to Lonzo, and he took it straight at Tristan Thompson, drew the foul, layup goes in. You know, smart. Just give it to Zion. I'm going to like your chances of the look you're going to get or putting pressure on the defense. So that was a nice, uh, that was a huge talk about comebacks, right, Lee? I mean, yeah. you said the epic meltdown on Friday night the Pelicans had, up 11 heading into the fourth, losing by 18, which seems unreal. But this one, they were down 24 points to the Celtics on Sunday. Like, they looked dead in the water. Uh, and 
and, and then they go on this crazy run from the you know, midway through the third quarter and gets it into overtime after that beautiful Tatum shot and got the victory. That's a huge, that's a big, big victory. Mm-hmm. They needed that. Um, you know, maybe that sort of like turns their season around or saves their season a little bit. But my winner of the weekend, Trey, can you just help me out with this? There's, there's one particular team that is sort of, you know, uh, well, I don't want to say the word, but you know where I'm going here. The Raptors are back! Yeah, they are, baby. <laughs> that's right. I can finally talk about the Toronto Raptors again. I had a rule. When they were sub 500, now we we'd been talking about them a lot, and people get tired of it because you know Lee Ellis drops a homer on me all the time. <laughs> I said, okay, I won't talk about the Raptors until they're back to 500 or they're involved in a trade because that's when like the drum and rumors were flying around. Well, what a good week or last especially weekend for the Raptors after back to back wins over the Bucks last week. They picked up two more victories over the weekend, uh, thanks in large part to their defense, and they are back over 500. Here they come. They beat Minnesota on Friday night. The score was 86-81. Yeah. Now, we'll get to, uh, you know, obviously the highlight from that game, but that is insane to see. Uh, you know, we, we obviously are watching a ton of games, you know, look, catching up on games we miss and stuff like that, and that just jumps out at you. 86-81, what they call it after the third quarter? Like, what the hell's going on over there? But they got it done with defense. It wasn't pretty. And then on Sunday, though, the more impressive win, they slowed and beat down. And they held on to get the victory over the Sixers, 110-103. Van Vliet hitting some crazy threes. Chris Boucher catching fire in this one. Uh, He had 17 points over the final 14 minutes. Five threes. He was like, all right, you guys are going to play me like this? Yeah, Embiid, Dwight, going to come out on me? No? Okay. I'll I'll take my crazy-ass, like, catapult shot and uh, knock it down. Slim duck there hitting five threes. So big, big Raptors week. Big weekend, and they're and they're back. They really are. Um, and and crazy, they're six and zero without Kyle Lowry because yeah. uh, he wasn't playing in this. Van Vliet making a very, I think, too late push. You know, sort of for uh, All Star consideration. He'll get some votes. Um, I don't think he'll ultimately make it, but looking looking good in that defense. Uh, that you know, getting it's getting back to that intensity that we've seen from them over the last couple of years. Uh, and they're just really locking in, and they did in this one, especially after the Sixers were up. So that was good, and. You know, Nurse, man, he'll throw the he throws stuff at the wall. OG gets the start versus the Sixers. They go small against your like a huge Embiid and, and, and Sixers team. But then you know a lot of Baines, a lot of Boucher. You know, just switching it all up, throwing different looks at Embiid, making life difficult for him. Tass, as a Raps fan, pretty damn good uh, stretch here from the Raptors, getting back to again sort of the Raptors of old in how they're winning some of these games. I thought. I don't know how you can measure intensity with modern analytics, but they have turned it up to yeah. be able to guard Embiid. You know, decently well with Chris Bush. I'm sorry, not Chris Boucher to start, but OJ Ananobi and Pascal Siakam to start. Guarding him decently well, just a lot of bodies coming at him. Yep. I think I think they knew, hey, we're small. Uh, we got to show bodies. You know, it was a little bit a little bit like they've guarded Giannis in the past. Just, just have a guy right there at all times to help out. And then, yeah, at the end of the game, Aaron Baines is a, is a basketball player all of a sudden. I mean, he <laughs> looks like he can he can play. And then him and Chris Boucher were the, the tag team at the end. And Embiid was rattling in shots that normally he would make. But mm-hmm. um, that's 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 just a sign of the Raptors wearing him down, I think. You know, by the end of the game, uh, they did a good job of, of just focusing on him. It was a weird that the Raps won this game. I think Fred Van Vliet was really the key, the way he brought them back from dead in that first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there is an intensity level to go from two to two and eight to 16 and 15. 
That's intensity, baby. That is that is <laughs> the Raptors intensity. of old. I saw yeah. the Raptors started two and eight. The Celtics started eight and three, and the Raptors have a better record than the Celtics right now. Sorry to the Beantown boys out there, mm. but uh, wow, that that is officially being back when you're ahead of the Celtics, um, and you had beaten the Bucks. Like this was good because they're beating like these good teams, and then they have that weird game against the Wolves, but they still pull it out. And uh, yeah, the streak is going here, and a lot a lot of it without Kyle Lowry at times there, Lily. Um, Van Vliet is. He's, I mean, you don't, I think if you ever had reservations about the contract they gave him, can Van Vliet be a starter in this league? I think that's gone. I mean, it's like, it's not a concern. He is one of the better, one of the better, despite his size limitations, better guards still in the league. You know, he is maybe not elite, elite. He's not maybe all NBA. I don't think he'll ever maybe make it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that's what he wants me to say, right? Because he wants me to like <laughs> doubt him uh, and because yeah. he wants to bet on himself. But uh I got no problems with that contract and moving forward with him as your point guard for the future. I think That's that contract's sure. looking like a bargain, to be it honest, might be, right yeah. now. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think he is a very important two-way player. He, he stay, he's a little bit like a little bit like a Damian Lillard. He doesn't get too emotional. He doesn't get mm. too high and low. He stays in the moment. He hits those shots. He has a lot of belief in himself. He goes out there, works hard on defense, and if, if another guy's hot, he tries to find that guy. So he, he's a very composed point guard, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I like that for the Raptors. And, you know, the, this game against the Sixers is a big game, was a big game, because uh, Simmons and Embiid both played, which was great, because that's what you want to see. And we're going to see that again tomorrow night, and another game. So it's almost going to be like a little playoff series here to yep. see... Mm-hmm. Now, how does uh, Doc Rivers adjust? Does he make yeah. an adjustment? Does he say, okay, if you're going to go OG again, you know, in the starting lineup, then Joel, I just want to park you in the paint and, and throw your weight around inside because that's what he has done at times this season, Embiid. has just been like, I'm too big and strong for, for pretty much anyone. So let's see if that's what Doc Rivers does. He's not too big and strong for Bainesy, though, Lily. <laughs> no, well, Bainesy was the uh, Embiid stopper when he was in Boston there, too, remember? Right. So uh, Bainesy is just a big lump of a fellow. So, yeah. <laughs> well, no, but he can't. I mean, he can't just throw him around. That, that's one of the guys he can't bully. Because, Embiid, because Emb- uh, Aaron Baines is a lot closer in just physical stature to uh, what Embiid is. So yeah, He's uh, Gasol-like you know, in that Yeah, sense, exactly, exactly. So, But, but you know, that's what that's what actually, you know, when we talked about this season and how these uh, the schedule was going to be, it was kind of like, oh, I don't know if that's going to be um, I- any different or, or it's going to make an impact. But this is kind of good now. It's like, okay, it's back in t- you know Tampa, so it's in uh, Toronto's home game. And the Sixers going up against a team they could potentially face in the playoffs. Uh, this this one now is like a meaningful regular season game. So uh, I'm really right. looking forward to seeing that uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night? Great stuff. Okay, those are our NBA weekend winners. I'm sure we're missing some, so let us know in the stream team. Let us know on Twitter, at NoDunkSync. Let us know in the YouTube comments as well, because there's a lot you could have obviously picked from. But let's take a quick break before we get to our losers of the weekend. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. 
NBA weekend losers. Tass, why don't you get us started? Where do you want to go? Well, we saw the dunk of the year on Friday. Anthony Edwards brutally, violently, savagely dunked on Utah Watanabe. Oh, of the Toronto Raptors. It was nasty. It was nasty. I mean, the combination of Anthony Edwards getting up at the right time, Utah not being in position to block it. So he just looked like he was, you know, halfway up Anthony Edwards' body and just went down to the floor violently. But the loser isn't Utah Watanabe for me in this instance. It's the people asking, how can Utah Watanabe come back from such a violent dunk? He'll be back. Don't worry about him. I think that this only raises Watanabe's profile. He's a very good basketball player, and he's too tough for a dunk to knock him out of the league or whatever you want to call it. How is he going to come back? Don't worry. He's good. He's a solid basketball player, and that's why he's made it with the Toronto Raptors this year. He's having his best season so far. You know, We wanted to talk a bit about this dunk. Sure. Um, let's talk about it. It was, it was wild, but for me... I don't. I, I think Watanabe is going to be entirely fine. He went up to block a shot. That's what you do as a basketball player. He could have turtled. He could have got on all fours and got the heck out of the poster. Uh, but he didn't. He, he went have after. Got on all fours. That would have been awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but then Anthony Edwards would have got up even higher, propelling oh himself off his back. That would have been. I mean, he was. He like he probably should have just taken the charge. I guess mm. instead of trying to jump. Um, he was just way too late. Uh, but don't worry, <laughs> oh, don't worry about his ego or his his reputation. He'll be fine because he's a solid basketball player. And Anthony Edwards has had some great dunks this year. He goes doesn't matter who's around. He just kind of goes up the same way every time. Just cocks it. Yeah. And uh, and it looks cool because he gets up and he cocks it way back. Hey Zion Williamson, take notes on Anthony Edwards dunks here. <laughs> I want to see this from you. No, that was. That was awesome. Uh, that is one of the best dunks uh, in a long time, I think, in-game lately. I know, like, I immediately think the best one ever still. Well, not ever, but, like, of, I guess, what, last decade or so? I don't even know what year it was. But the uh, DeAndre Jordan on uh, Brandon Knight. Cause, uh, <laughs> and then there's the gif member that somebody yeah. made of the coffin falling on him and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But uh, it's the falling to the ground, yeah. <laughs> which really always makes a dunk, like, next level for me. I only wish Edwards didn't also like fall to the ground like i wish he sort of somehow managed to like obviously catch himself and stay up but uh well where do you rank this one lily in the last couple of years at least it's gotta, uh, be, gotta be top three right yeah no for sure definitely the last couple of years um i mean it had the definitely the tracy mcgrady on sean bradley vibes there the yeah. way that he kind of rode him there but the, the way Watanabe uh just crumpled that that's what it was for me it was like and he kind of looks around and, you know, his teammates don't immediately go to his aid. They sort of just like, oh, yeah, you, you just got uh, eaten then. So uh, we're just going to have to let you recover. But, I mean, uh, Anthony Edwards, athletic dude, he got up there, he threw it down. And, uh, I mean, that's just the way it goes sometimes. You gotta, you're playing defense. I'll give him credit. I want, want to be there. He's playing defense. He's contesting the dunk. Sometimes you get got. We saw Giannis got dunked on uh, by Rudy Gobert just last weekend, you know, and he was oh, contesting it. So oh it happens. But it, it's the way that, you know, when the bodies connect and it's like Wantanabe just like, it's almost like he got shot there, you know, <laughs> like he uh, he's like, whoa, what the hell happened, man? That was crazy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
Like, remember when Dwayne Wade dunked on Anson Varejao and his legs went up behind his head yeah, like yeah. that? I mean, yeah. that that was a great dunk as well where the guy's body just collapsed. So uh, I, I think this one's not as bad as that because it just looked like Varejao, you know, just like really bounced off Wade. Yeah. And there was a big crowd. It was in Miami. Everyone was going crazy. So, uh, yeah, but this one, uh, special dunk. And, and there's been a few compilations of Edwards going around this weekend. All his dunks are pretty much that style. Yeah. It's just he finally caught a real body on one. Yeah, Trey, uh, what do you think uh, of, of the dunk? And actually the fallout on Twitter I wanted to ask you about too. <laughs> you know, uh, we had Nate Duncan was trending on Twitter because <laughs> somebody <laughs> tweeted, uh, you know, not that maybe impressed by the dunk or was trying to point out that uh, Edwards was uh, struggling in this game, but all everyone wanted to talk about was the dunk. It was very funny. <laughs> uh, on this podcast, we like things. So shout out to this dunk because it was awesome. The I love it. I love to see somebody react to their own dunk to know that they what they just did was special because just like DeAndre Jordan on Brandon Knight when he like reacts he's like that was scary for yeah. you this was Anthony Edwards just smiling up a storm after the dunk I love that all of his reactions are just like man this is awesome to be in the NBA doing really cool <laughs> stuff because it was I mean He's almost lucky that Watanabe was there because that could have been a violent landing for Anthony Edwards, but luckily he had the cushion underneath him. That looked yeah. like it could have been four torn ACLs between the two of them, but somehow they both survived the high-speed collision there at the top of the rim. Violent stuff. I think we'll see more of it from yeah. Edwards, no doubt about it. He's uh, The cockback he does is similar to me to like a DeMar DeRozan dunk as well, the way mm-hmm. he pulls it way back, but um, I don't know. I think Edwards can out-jump DeMar. Even rookie tomorrow. Like, that's crazy stuff, man, the way he gets up so easily. That's funny you said that because I immediately thought, I think it was DeRozan, I think it was on Chris Boucher, uh, mm. where he like gave him like the rock bottom, I called it, remember? Like them mm. both like dropping to the to the ground. It wasn't as, it, you know, he wasn't coming baseline, if I remember correctly, yeah. DeRozan, more down the middle. And then like, but like you said, like that, that cock and back uh, nature of it and just the violence in it and the hops, obviously. Yeah, that's sort of what it reminded me of just the way they dropped to the ground, both of them. But, uh, yeah, huge, huge Duncan. Uh, again, I tweeted this, but my favorite part of the whole Nate Duncan thing is that his name is Duncan. I just, uh, I, I really makes me laugh. And uh, I'd love to hear Danny LaRue's thoughts on the dunk uh, while we're out of here. But and I'm, glad, and, uh, I'm glad we didn't say that Anthony Edwards stepped out of bounds either. Ooh, we yeah, didn't no, mention that. What do you think? He did. Do you, 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 yeah, you think he did? I thought it was maybe his heels above, but you think it's it t- oh, touches wow. the line there at one point? Oh, I don't know. The ref is looking directly at it, but I yeah. think the ref made a quick decision. I see Watanabe over there. I think we could have a dunk of the year candidate. I'm not going to blow this whistle. No, I like there's uh, no chance he Bembry, can do that. Uh, Bembry like basically apologized to Watanabe. He put him in that position. I mean, a, a brutal like a brutal attempt at a steal, like just like uh, you know, obviously a ridiculous attempt at it, and then he's going baseline. He uh, he apologized I guess, to him. He felt funny. a bit differently than when um, Blake Griffin put. A, I think he put a putback over Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum's face. Remember there was the mm. camera of Andrew Bynum like, like that. <laughs> big big dunk. That's going to uh, be tough to beat for dunk of the year oh, candidate. That, that will be very very difficult. Bars really high with that one. All right, Lee, let's go to you. Loser of the weekend. Oh, how the weekend could have been different for the Golden State Warriors. Friday night. They were down 13 in the third, then leading by third, uh, sorry, down 17 in the third to leading the Magic by 13 with nine minutes to play. But the Warriors couldn't close it out. Vooch 
Killed him in that oh. fourth quarter. Had a triple-double. Eight points, four assists in the fourth. Close it out at the free throw line. Practice your free throws, kids. And uh, look forward to him being named an all-star reserve this week. The Magic really <laughs> defended Steph well, too, on that last possession. Uh, he just made two threes. And then it was almost like that uh, three in Game 7 against the uh, against the Cavs. He just quite, couldn't quite get that space. Threw it up. And they missed. Uh, and the Magic went on to win that game. Then on Saturday night, Steph was actually a late scratch. Uh, so he didn't play in Charlotte. But the Warriors led the Hornets by 10 in the final minutes, up five with 50 seconds to go. Kelly Oubre hits a three, blows a kiss to the Hornets bench, does not get a technical foul, though, on this one. But <laughs> Don't then worry, Ter- technical fouls are to come. Oh, man. Yeah, then Terry Rozier, who again was brilliant in this game, he hits a three. It was a two-point game, and the Warriors had the ball. Uh, Wiggins missed a three, but then uh, Old Skeetsy's mate Brad Wanamaker gets the rebound, <laughs> and he gets tied up, and a jump ball's caught. I thought that one... Fine. I thought that was the right call. I don't think there was a foul there, so they called the jump ball. Now, after it took about, honestly, 15 minutes for oh. them to decide who was in that jump ball. I don't know how it took so long, but it went on and on and on forever. Anyway, it was Wanamaker and LaMelo ball for the jump. Then there was a scrappy, no one had clean possession. Gordon Hayward probably had most of the possession, but I don't think he had clean possession. And uh, James Borrego did get a timeout. And the Warriors were not happy about that, in particular Draymond Green. So at this stage, I'll just remind people too, the Warriors were trailing, uh, were leading by two points. We're, le- were leading by two points. Draymond Green loses his mind, gets two technical fouls, gets ejected. Terry Rozier goes to the free throw line for two free throws, hits them both, ties the game up. It's still uh, Hornets ball. Uh, after the after the uh, tech fouls, they get possession. Terry Rozier goes down and hits the game-winning shot as time expires. So... The Warriors end up losing this game as well. And a lot of it, I mean, I'm not going to point it all on Draymond Green, but absolutely he uh, he was very unprofessional for a guy with a high basketball IQ to get himself. Now, you can maybe argue whether or not two technical fouls were warranted. One, I think, certainly was because you see him really screaming mm-hmm. at the refs. But he gets two, he gets ejected, Rosier goes to the line and, the, and and hits it and ties the game up. Now, if Rosier misses that next shot, you go to overtime, and Draymond's out of the game for that. You know, mm-hmm. your best player when... Steph Curry is not there, is out because he threw a tantrum. And uh, and Steve Kerr talked about it after the game. He said he crossed the line. So the Warriors, um, and again, one technical foul could have still cost the game for the Warriors. I mean, none of them could have still cost if Terry Rozier hits a three maybe as time expires. But still, it gave uh, the Hornets that, that safety net of like, even if Rozier misses that last shot, they were going to overtime and, and Draymond, you know, wasn't in the game. Um, but instead, Rosie hits it, and Eric Collins is just fantastic on the call. He's so much fun to watch. He was so excited when Draymond got ejected too, by the way, which was great. But, uh, yeah, so a really a really bad weekend here for the Golden State Warriors to lose two games from extremely winnable positions. Yep, I would agree with all of that. I mean, and again, I think Cousins is right. Like, it was like, hold on, how's the timeout being called there? Like, the guys are, like, battling for it. Like, both guys have their hands on it. It's probably, I think, the wrong call. But, yeah, to then just like, man, cool down for a second. Yeah. Like, you're going to cost your team. And you did. You hurt your team because what did you think, too? You were going to, like, by yelling at them, we're going to convince them to change their mind? It's, like, uh, pretty unlikely, Draymond. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Kerr was like, I love it. We love his passion. We love his fire. But, uh you can cross the line at times and uh, and hurt your team more than help them. And that's exactly what he did. Also, with that whole thing, Lee, I wanted to bring this up. Because I heard uh, Simmons and Rasilla talking about it on their podcast. Games taking forever at the end because of these, like, looking at replays and looking at uh, who's who, who's tied up who. It's getting out of control, man. It is 
it is killing. These guys were going off on it. I 100% agree with them. It's too far. The word, these games are taking, like, at times, like, 10-minute breaks. 10 minutes of nothing happening. Except us watching a replay, and then we go to commercial. But that's brutal for, like, obviously, like, trying to get casuals into it. Even people that are more uh, into the sport. It's not, a, it's not good. I get, look, the pushback is like, you want to get it right? You want to get it right? Half the time, they don't even get it right. They still go and look at it, and you're, like, left, like, scratching your head. Uh, you know, with the Harden one, for example. It's like, what are we doing here? I, I, I miss when the game was a little faster at the end because, Tess, you're always telling us it's a quick game, but it's starting <laughs> to slow down, man. It really is with all these reviews. Every play, everybody's doing this. Let's go look at it. Yeah, where's the Lee uh, gif there, JD? It's like, ah, <laughs> come on already. I, I, am I alone in this? I, I guess I'm not because Simmons and Russillo feel the same way, but it's get, it does feel like I'm starting to check out at the end of games when I should be most excited, but I'm the opposite. Because it's like, it's just to a crawl, Trey. Yeah, but what is the other option? Because, I mean, it seems to me that the the solution to all this is make replay faster. Like, they got to have a shot clock on replay because you're not going to take away replay at this point, you know? Because they're going to still show replays on the broadcast saying, hey, look, the referee missed this call. You're still seeing the replay when it comes down to it. So we might as well at least get the call right. Because, he's, I don't know, it definitely slows the game down, but you want to get it right. So, I don't know, just figure out a way to do it quickly. Uh, you know, it, it feels like there are so many times that you can see the replay and everybody in the world knows exactly how it's going to go once the replay finally uh, gets decided and ruled on. But it still takes another five to six minutes extra. Maybe we give them the 24 seconds shot clock. Say, hurry it up. <laughs> hurry it up, Zach Zarba. We got a game to play here. Oh, it's just this this dance of like, okay, everybody's like, oh, let's go look at it. Okay, now we go over. Now we turn around the monitors. We get the headphones on. Now, as a broadcast, we're looking at it a hundred times. Oh, let's go to a remote camera shot of these guys in Secaucus. Okay, there they are. Oh, yeah, they're all huddled around. Let's go back and look at it. Let's debate it on the broadcast. Let's... It goes on and on and on. At times where you're like, what? I forget sometimes. Like, where... Like, you'll check out, like, you'll start looking at Twitter, and you're like, oh, my God, they're still not playing yet, Tass. Like, they're still not back to playing. They haven't decided on the call yet. How, like, Trey's right. How is it taking this long? If it's taking that long, then just go with the call on the floor at that point. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess you're just trying to find different angles, and they're trying to rack them up. I'm not saying they have an easy job, but, like, I think it's doing more harm than good, I guess, is my point. Yeah. And it's been a thorn in the NBA side for a long time. Uh, Adam Silver has wanted to correct it for years, even before reviews were taking a long time. He knew that the biggest issue was the last three minutes of the game taking like oh. 15 minutes. And he, he said it prior to uh, prior to reviews taking this long. Basically, when he took the job, he knew that the, fa- the end of games has to get faster for the, the f- fan at home. It has to be done remotely entirely. I don't see why refs even look at anything on the floor. Just do it all remotely. Brad want to make it faster, and that's all we have. That's all we should be worrying about is how does it get faster. And I think the only resolution is Sakakis do everything. Uh, the floor should not do anything. It just it, it takes too long to find my headset. Am I going to flip over? Might put my R on my L, my L on my R. You know, like just don't worry about that. Just worry about refing the game, and that's it. 
Lee, what do you think? Anything yeah. you told us? Yeah, I mean, the thing was as well, this was for a jump ball just deciding who was in it. And I, I just... <laughs> right. I, I, I right. Just, you know, Thank you. You're right. That, that, it actually that, almost doesn't matter. Yeah, there, and there, exactly. Uh, and there are times where it looks like, oh, maybe on this angle it looks like it came off this guy, maybe not. So there are times where it does take a little bit. This should not have taken as long as it did. Like, when you're watching, you're like, just everyone can see. Now, listen, on Saturday, I was watching Liverpool versus uh, Everton in the oh, soccer. Sure. And there was, yep. a, well, there was a controversy the there for a penalty... The referee ran over, looked at the replay once and said, yep, penalty and ran back. Like he didn't need to have (laughs) 25 different angles and he was by himself. He just ran over to the VAR, yep, penalty and went back and gave uh, Everton the penalty. So Mm -hmm. the thing is other sports have seemingly figured things out, how to get things moving quickly. But in this case in particular, there should have been someone who just said, it's it's Lamello and it's Wanamaker. That's it. Just go for it. You know, you don't need to go back and forth. And then you see Kelly Oubre as well, like, and, and uh, Mike Brown and uh, Steve Kerr on the side, you know, lining up where guys go for the jump ball. They bring this guy over here. I know it's important. You want to get possession. Yeah. I understand that. But it's a jump ball. <laughs> it's so random, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, I know there's skill to it. I get that. But, uh, yeah. And look, I think we can do this better. Why don't we just shoot for it? It'd be yes. way more entertaining. Oh, be really yes. cool. Way more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I'll even go as far, like, you get to pick. Like, the other team gets to pick who they want or whatever. Like, they can pick the worst shooter on the floor at the time. I don't care. Like, shoot for it. It's over. Let's roll. Like, we t- yeah. like we do it on the courts. Man, that'd be fun, too. Like, obviously, they're starting to, you know, pressure, obviously, mounting and stuff like that. Anything is better than looking at people looking at a monitor for 10 to 15 minutes. It's brutal. <laughs> it's not good for the game. I'm sorry. And we love it. Uh, you know, and that's what Simmons and Rasul are saying. Like, we love the NBA, but this is bad. This is just not good. Um, as from a broadcast standpoint, but all right, I'm going to get that off my chest. Uh, let's go to Trey, loser of the weekend. Where are you going? Uh, might need another GIF request here, JD, because it feels like <laughs> just yesterday Lee was wearing a Sexland T-shirt around the house, telling his kids all about <laughs> Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Andre Drummond was racking up the big beefs. The Cavs were the feel-good story of the league, but. A tough weekend for Cleveland. They lost to the Nuggets on Friday. This was Jamal Murray's 50-point game. Nikola Jokic triple-double as well. They lost on Sunday to the Thunder. 31 points for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a potential all-star. That's now 10 straight losses for the Cleveland Cavaliers. It happened fast. I mean, (laughs) Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Jarrett Allen, they're still balling. Jarrett Allen had a perfect game, uh, basically. Uh, I think he went 11-11 from the field, had 17 rebounds. But they've got so many injuries right now. They're obviously not playing Andre Drummond. Larry Nance Jr. is out. Kevin Love hasn't played for a while. Torian Prince is out. But it feels like they are just starting over the rebuild again, which is kind of bad news, considering that a month into the season, there was at least a little bit of buzz for Colin Sexton making an all-star team. You know, they looked like they had figured things out a little bit, playing fast, but teams have figured them out. You just got to take care of the ball, and they're not going to be able to get a stop on defense. That's how a lot of bad teams make their defense look good, is trap a lot, try to get those extra possessions from turnovers and scoring in the fast break, but not looking good in Cleveland. Changes to come as we speak you know they're gonna no doubt about it be a a hot team at the trade deadline hopefully trying to pick up some pieces here because i mean they've got their three guys and they're all playing all right it's just not making much of a difference yeah it feels like just yesterday we had the Cavs and kings in the finals right we were all high on sacramento and cleveland (laughs) uh, that thing (laughs) things change quickly in the league glad we talked about the Cavs when we did lily i'm glad you were wearing sexland t-shirts when you were well, that's when we talked about it. It was like, we might not be talking about this team for much of the season, but they were yep. playing good, 
basketball, both ends of the floor, winning games. The defense was there. Drummond looked great. The sex slam backcourt was awesome. But uh, they were punching a little above their weight. But the good news for the Cavs is I think that they have got a decent backcourt there. So they need some more pieces and they've got some assets to trade. So I think uh, while this season is pretty much shot, I, I think the future is still somewhat optimistic and bright there for uh, for the Cavs. Yeah, we'll see what they can get for Drummond, for a McGee maybe even, and a Larry yeah. Nance Jr.'s name has been floated around a couple of times. Look, I ran, so I ran the numbers him. I ran the numbers for Colin Sexton for the All-Star team, but I <laughs> uh, couldn't quite make the case for him, but I tried. I wanted to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, again, a few weeks ago when he was averaging like 27 a game, I'm like, hey, there's, a, there's a strong case if the team keeps winning. But right, uh, right. unfortunately, uh, both things just cooled off a little. Yeah, uh, Colin Sexton will not be named to the All-Star Reserves no. on Tuesday. I think you can lock that in. Okay, so Kaz, the loser. I got a a few mini losers uh, and then uh, we will eventually get to the Cousins news but my mini losers uh, Tass wanted to get your take on JJ Redick being ejected from the Pelicans win as I said there on Sunday after tossing the ball at the referee I'm quoting the officials here with force so here's the clip for everybody on the stream team <laughs> JJ Redick not happy there <laughs> I'm just giving you the ball I threw the ball to you <laughs> so yeah he puts a little zip on it puts a little spin on it because uh, he's frustrated but you know, second one, you're out of here. Here it is. Oh, little Chris Paul spin there. And, uh, I mean, it's a bad pass. It yeah. is a bad pass. Hit yeah. him below the knees. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Sweet. Listen, uh, I understand why everybody upset about it. People saying, oh, it's worst of the week. And just give that referee worst of the week on Friday. I'll say a few things. First, JJ Reddick needs a haircut. Second, uh, I, I was watching. Come on, did you see those sideburns? I mean, he knows he needs a haircut. He, he probably just had a haircut appointment he had to get to. I'll get tossed. Uh, I was watching that game live, and I thought, what the? How is he ejected from this game? How is that possible? So I did a little rewind. I did a little investigation. Now, the play before, mm-hmm. J.J. Redick was called for a tech because he was arguing a no-call. Mid-play, he was, he was on that referee. He was on the same side that... The time down before the floor, time down the floor before that, he was just yelling at the referee, yelling, yelling, yelling. He got a tech, and you can see after JJ Redick tosses that ball at him on purpose, it was a little passive aggressive toss. Yeah, JJ Redick just he did barely even argues. <laughs> He's just like, all right, you know, I hate that referee, and I'm leaving the game because I was I was a little bit of a dork throwing the ball at him. So I'm not like I'm done. All right, whatever. See you later. Okay, fine. Like he knows <laughs> he kn- he knows that he was being a bit of a jerk and and that he didn't really he didn't need to do that. I mean, it's a weird ejection. Yeah. Uh, and it really wasn't warranted. But also, yeah, JJ Reddick was just he's a little in a little feisty mode and two times down the floor you just pissed off the referee twice. If if he was tossing the ball to another referee. He wouldn't have done that. Right. He would have just thrown the ball at him. So I can see where it comes from, but I don't think he's getting worse the week. That's all okay. I got to say. It's, it uh, has happened before, I feel like, too. Right, Lily? Like We've mm-hmm. seen this type of like second technical off that little uh, too much zip to the pass, right? Pretty Absolutely, sure yeah. 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 I mean, referees, if they feel they're being sort of disrespected or someone's like... I think what the referee said was like, you're trying to hide behind throwing me the ball, but you're really like... You know, you're flinging it at me. That's what you're really doing <laughs> oh, it was here. Nice <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, he put the, he put a nice little bit of Facundo spin on it there yeah, as well. But um, you know, the refs just don't like you sort of showing any sort of dissent. And, and and the irony is there. Of course, the foul was called while JJ was in possession, so the ref mm-hmm. was giving him the foul. But mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of carryover, I think. Very unlucky to get a second team and be ejected for that. But yeah. uh, we see that was the referee see. holding a bit of a grudge there. Of course it was. Of course yeah. it was. So um, and you, you know, like look. 
It's Keith, I know you've repped. I'm not sure if you, if, if Trey and Tash have ever <laughs> hold repped. On, hold on, when I repped, I repped like one game of. Oh, like, is that uh, all? Yeah, but, like 15 year old girls. It's the worst job in the world. It's too. the worst job in the world. And sometimes, like, there's more than just the play prior to that as well. There's like, if the guy's been riding you all game and then he does that, you're just like, all right, dickhead, you're out. You know, I mean, you you, you can yeah, see sort they, of both sides here because, <laughs> you know, not it's not just what happens in that uh, in that one interaction there. But I do think he was a little unlucky to uh, get his second tee on that. So. Right. Okay. Uh, a couple other mini losers. Uh, to me, for Friday nights, whoa boy, I had a hell of a decision. You already gave us one line, Lily. Vooch on Friday night. This all happened Friday night, and I had to make the decision on Saturday morning for Woe Boy. Vooch in a, in a win over the Warriors, 30 points on 13 and 23 shooting, 16 boards, 10 assists, a steal, and a block. Okay, that's a monster game. On many nights, that would probably be Woe Boy worthy. But same night, Jamal Murray, Kitchener's finest. In a win over Cleveland, 50 points, 21 of 25 shooting, eight three-pointers made, didn't even attempt a free throw, six boards, two assists, two steals. How does that not get Woe Boy? Because someone else had an even better game, and that was Joel Embiid in a win over Trey's Bulls. 50 points for him as well, 50 burgers for everybody, 17 of 26, good, 15 of 17 at the line, incredible, 17 rebounds, near in big beef territory there, five assists, and then the defense, two steals and four blocks, wow. That is uh, crazy not to give Woolboy to the guy that went for 50 points when he missed four shots on 25 attempts. But Embiid had a, had a better line, so that was just difficult. And then the final loser of the weekend to all of us, really, our wedgie a weekend streak is officially over. Yes, uh, which was tough because we nearly had one on Sunday, right? Uh, was that a Kawhi one? I can't remember. There was one that nearly stuck and then fell out, and they didn't call it. There was no whistle blown. It wasn't a dead ball. So we're stuck on 23 wedgies still. We're on pace for 60, I think, still, the wedgietracker.com says. But uh, we had an unbelievable run. I th- it was like four or five weekends straight where we at least had a wedgie or two. And uh, unfortunately came to an end, Trey. But all good things must eventually come to an end. And we're not done. That's fine. Hopefully we'll just have more through the week, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's nothing better than a Monday when you can put no dunks in the winner spot because we had a wedgie or a big beef or yeah. the bulls are back. None of those <laughs> happened this weekend. Literally none of them. So we got to take the L. We have to, yep. unfortunately. Yep. Tough right. for us. We didn't have an actual wedgie, but we did have a great story from Marcus Johnson about a wedgie. Mm, true. Uh, that was a, a good story. When he played... Uh, he said he was on a break. He was he was a young player at the time, and James Worthy was chasing him, and he got so scared, so worried that he tried to dunk it, but he just dunk wedged it. That's amazing. You don't see that ever. I don't think I've, <laughs> I don't think we've ever had video footage of a guy alone, alone. not blocked, just self wedgie. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, hey, hey, who's awesome. this? Uh, who's our inside wedgie guy? Cody Katz, Katz Cody. What's his name? Cody Katz, right? Yeah, he's the wedgie, wedge wedgie. Uh, man, uh, yeah, maybe I might have another wedgie for us this week, too. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, well, ask him about this, this uh, Marquise Johnson one. Let's see if we can track okay. that down. Okay. That would be pretty dig amazing. That one up. Yeah. He was the one, of course, that found our two Michael Jordan wedgies. Yes. Uh, young Michael Jordan and then uh, a Wizards Michael Jordan. Unbelievable. Yes. Okay, let's, uh, let's get to Tweet of the Night, but in a second, because we've got to hear from our sponsors. Selling a little? Yeah. Cha-ching. Or a lot? <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling savory sausages or offering ostentatious oddities, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash nodunks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash no dunks now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash no dunks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more good stuff which uh nfl guy had a super long net merton hanks That's oh yeah. yeah yeah he had a crazy yeah. long net right yeah yeah oh yeah he loved him awesome sticking out of uh football pads i mean he celebrated with his neck there's not <laughs> right. a lot of people out there celebrating with the neck i actually just looked up a picture of merton hanks recently <laughs> just to see what he looked like in a suit you know i've only ever seen him in football pads <laughs> but we were talking about do you wear your if you have a very long neck like a dinosaur, <laughs> would you wear the <laughs> would you wear the tie at the top of your neck or at the bottom of your right, neck? Right, right. Even Merton Hanks wears it at the bottom of his yeah. neck is what we found. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do dogs wear their pants on their hind legs or just yeah, on exactly. all four of their legs real low? That's right. what the Kings were tweeting about during a blowout loss to the Fox <laughs> on Sunday night. <laughs> Who's got the longest neck in it? NBA history. I mean, Bosch would be up there. He's got a up there. Neck. Yeah. Um, Anyone else come to mind? Sean Bradley, probably yeah. pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it's you know everything else is super long with Sean Bradley, so yeah, it sort of blends mm, in. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Well, let us know who's got the uh, who's got the longest neck in the NBA. Who we, for who's the Merton Hanks of the NBA? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get to tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. I'm cheating a little bit here. Tweet of the night is actually tweet of the weekend because I wanted to slip this into the show somewhere. So here it is. Shams tweeting over the weekend. The Houston Rockets and center DeMarcus Cousins are planning to part ways in coming days. Sources tell the Athletic and Stadium. Houston wants to go smaller, younger in the front court when Christian Wood returns. And this allows Cousins to find an opportunity elsewhere. Now, since this tweet from Shams, I think it was uh, Rockets coach Steven Silas basically saying... Uh, well, Cousins is still here. He's not He's not going anywhere. So this hasn't happened yet, you know, technically, Lee. But, uh, you know, Shams is usually right about this type of stuff. Uh, I think he's, like, got a 99% success rate. So probably at some point, the Rockets and Cousins are going to part ways. What's the most intriguing landing spot for when that likely does happen with Cousins moving on? Well, the, there's talk that he uh, that the Lakers are going to be interested in a reunion. Um, ironically, mm-hmm. Boogie never actually played for the Lakers. He was on their roster, but uh, because of uh, injuries, he never actually played. But mm-hmm. I think right now you're seeing with the Lakers with Anthony Davis out, 
you know, Marcus Ohl's still solid there in the in the middle, but I think they just need another bigger body. And Boogie, this season hasn't been too bad for the Rockets out there. I mean, you know, for a guy who's had a lot of serious injuries, he's a bigger guy, he's a heavier guy. He's actually been playing reasonable. He can shoot the three still. He's, you know, he's a good passer of the ball. So he still brings something. And he's only going to be playing a, a somewhat limited role for the Lakers there, especially when Anthony Davis comes back. Now, exactly when Davis comes back, we don't know. But um, I can see there being some uh, some interest there from uh, from the Lakers because things did go, they started off the season really well, but they've hit a bit of a, a road bump since Davis has gone down. And, um, you know, Marcus Gasol was a good signing, but there are times, again, especially in the bubble for him when he was still with the Raptors, he, he really, I thought, looked like he'd lost a step and uh, he wasn't, it wasn't as impactful as he had been in his uh, prime, which, which happens to guys. So... I would say uh, there's uh, some mutual interest there. Gets Boogie to a team that's contending. Um, he's going to play a, a smaller role. And uh, sort of seems like a, a fairly natural fit. I guess the Nets would also be interested for similar reasons, just to get another body there. Um, you know, Boogie can take up some space, and they, they could use some more interior defense as well. So I think a couple of the contenders will will see if they can get hold of him. What do you think, Trey? I'm not as convinced uh, that Boogie has a whole bunch left. I think once he had to start with Christian Wood's absence is kind of once you saw him being a little bit overtaxed at this point. But I do think maybe he could help a team just uh, shooting the three as a big man, passing the ball like Lee is saying, but it's got to be in a backup role or at least a, a small role where you're not expecting him to really change the franchise and really push you over the edge. Maybe a team like the Suns or the Trailblazers would be interested and a DeMarcus Cousins, you know, the Trailblazers have had a hard time keeping their bigs healthy. Zach Collins has been uh, out for a while. Nurkic as well. So maybe Boogie helps there. Similar with the Suns. Like, are they really going to go into the playoffs starting Frank Kaminsky? I doubt it. So maybe Boogie could be like a little bit of an upgrade over Frank Kaminsky, something like that. I don't necessarily know that he's helping a championship team too much. I think he would get played off the court pretty easily. But these teams that are trying to improve their playoff seating maybe take a little bit of a stab. Yeah, it's tough with Cousins, right, Tass? It's like you want to go back to, you know, the dominant Cousins at time, at least when in terms of putting up numbers, like a 25-10 and 10 guy that he was years prior to the injuries, but he is not that anymore. He's not that great at protecting the rim. You know, he's not that great even at finishing at the rim because of his athleticism is sort of obviously gone after all these injuries. Um, but, you know, Raptors, Blazers, Lakers names being thrown around. The Suns is a new one I hadn't heard that Trey's sort of making the case for. Is there any any other landing spot that makes sense? Or do you could you see him in the right role on a lot of teams, like these guys are saying, in a, in a limited spot? Yeah, it has to be a limited role. The worse the team, the more uh, he's going to get a, too much responsibility, and that that's going to be an issue. I, I could see the Lakers working. They got rid of Dwight Howard uh, before this season, and they didn't really replace Dwight Howard as the backup big, uh, as a backup real center. I mean, they replaced him with Montrez Harrell, but he's sort of undersized. So if DeMarcus Cousins is fit into that perfect niche role, I think that could work, especially on a team that's super good on defense to cover up a lot of his mistakes if he's right. out there. And, and that would help. I don't think the Brooklyn Nets is a good situation because they're not good on defense. You're going to get exposed like crazy. We talked about how the Nets like to switch everything. Well, you want Marcus Cousins on an island? Not good. You don't want uh, to be a good, uh, a bad defensive team adding to Marcus Cousins. If you're a good team, then yeah, yeah, you can maybe make it work. Although, a comment here on the stream team from Jerry Kadick 08 
Cousins to the Nets reunion with Harden made me chuckle because they had their follow <laughs> earlier this season. Uh, that would be funny, but I don't think the Nets take a chance on Cuz. They're they got too much offense, and, and although we keep talking about a big to the Nets, big to the Nets, big to the Nets, they need a defensive big. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, he won a he he. he sorry, I was going to say he won a title last year. He won a title. Um, you know, probably in spirit and in mind with uh, the Lakers. I don't know if they gave him a ring, um, but if he goes back there, then he, then he can get a real ring uh, because he was there last season. And uh, I don't know. Did you guys see a report? Did they give him? A, I don't think give so. Him a ring? But I also don't know. The Raptors haven't given Danny Green a ring yet <laughs> because he wanted to wait until there's fans. Oh, fair enough. Interesting. Could be a while though, Danny Green. But yeah, he still doesn't have his Raptors ring. Weird. What were you gonna say, Lily? Uh, they they usually give the rings out to someone who was on the roster, and, and Boogie was on their roster there. So, but it that, says yeah. they are going to. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. Congrats to him then. Champion Boogie Cousins. Who wants him? Yeah. There's. Uh, let us know what you think though. Does does Cousins still have anything left? Like in his starts, you're right, Lee. Like with Houston, he started brutal. I thought this season. He, but, yeah. Uh, he picked it up. But he's been a bit a bit more average for sure. Um. Do you think he still has something to give to a team? And, and what could that team be in your mind? Let us know in the stream team. Let us know in the comments, all that. You know, I know some people making a case for the Knicks. Uh, you know, maybe the Warriors for sure getting another big there. Let us know. Throw it at us. All right. Pick them results from Friday night. Quickly here. Suns-Pelicans game. Suns were favored by two and a half. They've been playing well. They got another victory. Uh, coming back huge there in the fourth quarter. That's a victory for Trey. And that's a victory for me. So, this is how it breaks down. Tass and Lee had the Pelicans, so that's a loss. It's sort of funny. I'm at the top, 9 and 6, followed by Lee, 8 and 7, followed by Tass, 7 and 8, and followed by Trey, 6 and 9. Very nice. So, what's tonight's game? Uh, it's pretty close here still, with, I guess, about a week to go, right, in February. So, mm-hmm. these are these are important games here for you guys, especially down sort of near the bottom. What do we got, Tass? <laughs> It's making me chuckle right now. I know Lee Ellis just highlighted today's document. He's ready to copy and paste it into tomorrow's doc. And I see him. Wait for this show. I, I see him typing stuff. He's ready to go. He's he's already making tomorrow's doc happen. Hey, put the ad reads it. in then if you're gonna do it. This time, all right? <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't get today's ad reads because I put them in otherwise, man. Okay. Come on. Okay. Uh, yeah, usually good. Got to peel back the curtain. Uh, the Bulls <laughs> going into Houston, and the Rockets are an underdog. What? Just a one-and-a-half-point underdog, so the Bulls got to win by two. What do you think, Trey? Are the Bulls going to win in Houston by two? Third game in four nights for Chicago. Houston on a seven-game losing streak. The Bulls are back. <laughs> Obviously, they're going to win. Come on, I'm not picking against them here, against a team that's really struggling. Uh, maybe it buries me in the basement, but I'll take it. The Bulls are back. They're getting the win tonight. Interesting. <laughs> Skeets, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going Bulls, too. Uh, I mean, because now you got me... All discombobulated tasks. I don't know. Do the coaches still have one more night to get their picks in for the All-Star Reserves? <laughs> if that's the case, then put Zach Levine down for another 40 here tonight. And, uh, you know, really stamping home his chances of making the game. But I'll take the Bulls, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to pick a team right now, unfortunately, that's lost seven in a row. Though, look, I mean, this is difficult because of the schedule, like Trey said for Chicago. It probably is going to be a close one. Bulls by two, though. I'll go with Trey. Lee, what do you think? Yeah, it's hard to pick the Rockets right now. They just stink. Uh... Bulls by a couple, sure. Wow. There you go, Tass. You're going to swerve? What are you going to do? Sorry, Trey. You're not making up a game tonight. Oh. Maybe maybe from now on. I'm going to take the Bulls. From now on the rest of the week, 
I gotta pick before you, yeah. Trey. Cause yeah, that's fair. Other, otherwise, I could just <laughs> you pick could just Oppo. always take what Trey picks yeah. and never fall. Like okay, we go, we gotta go back to the the old days, like the starters. We had to send them in. Gotta gotta send them in. So you can't take send opposite a guy who's behind you. So maybe we'll do I'll, at least yeah. The the guy who's in last should pick last this week. Okay. Anyway. Okay. I like that. I like that. All right. For tonight, everybody taking the Bulls. My goodness. Uh, in Houston. Bulls are back, though, I heard. So good luck to everybody. I think six games on tonight. Enjoy them. We'll be back tomorrow to break them all down. Guys, like, comment, subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Grab your No Dunks merch at nodunks.com. Keep your questions coming uh, for the next Beach Steppin' podcast. We'll probably record that on Wednesday. So get them in. No Dunks at theathletic.com. Best way to email them in. Or you can drop them in the YouTube comments, too, or tweet them in at No Dunks Inc. And finally, Subscribe to The Athletic, $3.99 a month. Come on. Theathletic.com slash no dunks lets them know that we sent you. And uh, guys, it's an unbelievable deal. Like just this morning alone, in the NBA world, I'm not even talking about all the other sports. So if like you're a baseball fan, a hockey fan, there's incredible content from all the reporters and writers over there too. But like just the NBA, you know, we're in this NBA Slack and it's like, Banger, 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 banger. You just want to retweet it all and share it all. Well, I retweet a lot of these things, and some of you don't have a subscription, so you can't read it. Get the subscription. Thank us later. Trust me. Especially if you're like sitting at your computer all day, you're sort of half working, you're half not. Well, once this show ends, you need another classic. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a classic isn't in audio form or video form. You could actually, you know, read a little bit. Um, incredible work from the, especially our NBA reporters, our team over there. So again, do what you got to do. Three ninety nine a month. Athletic.com slash no dunks fun show guys we'll be back tomorrow with what you need to know in the morning and then the daily show clipper bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome thanks for joining us and remember i just thought of uh, our old days with the starters when i was talking about emailing in our picks just wanted to give a shout out to our old friend garrett sims we used <laughs> to email in our picks to him he would get them wrong every once in a while. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, hey, I miss you, Garrett. Miss yeah, you, man. Absolutely. Embrace the day, people. You could stay ooh, every day And I'd be happy every minute It's been so long that you're the one I've waited for It's happened already It's gonna be groovy Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.